As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. This is a podcast from The Times. Go to thetimes.co.uk. Welcome to the Game Podcast, and yes, we're back for another season, 2011-12, seems like only yesterday. With me today to discuss the big issues, Ben Smith, Tom Dart, and of course, Ollie Kay. We'll be looking at the Community Shield, asking if the balance of power in the Premier League has shifted, and also, we'll be reflecting on our wishes and hopes for the upcoming season. So please join us for the next 35 minutes or so. All right, let's start with the... Community Shield, and I have to ask this: What kind of a manager? Two 0 down. He's playing his his city rivals. He decides to take off his three veterans, Rio Ferdinand, Nemanja Vidić, and Michael Carrick, and replace them with Phil Jones, Johnny Evans, and Tom Cleverley. Now, um, Ollie, I have to ask: Is Sir Alex uh, a, a genius savant who knew that this would make his team better? Or was he perhaps underscoring the fact that maybe, ooh, we're 2 0 down against the noisy neighbors. We may well lose this. Let me go and put on the kids so that afterwards I can just say that eh, it's basically glorified friendly. It doesn't matter. Well, that is what he was going to do anyway. He was going to send, he was going to put cleverly Jones and, um, and Evans on at half time, regardless of the scoreline, whether it had been 0 0, 2 0 down, 3 0 up, whatever. So uh, he, he even considered starting with, uh, with cleverly until. Um, Michael Carrick surprisingly made an appearance in training on um, on Saturday. But in answer to the question, what kind of manager? It's a brave manager. It's a manager with conviction and with a lot of faith in um, youth and the young players at his disposal. And um, I would suspect that at, at the time when he put those players on, he thought, well, this could go either way. But... Um, I think he, he probably felt that City were flattered by a 2-0 half-time lead. I think most people would agree with that. Probably even Roberto Mancini and the young players that came on just did a, did a fantastic job. Whether it was, um, well, they all did. I, I wouldn't even want to single anyone out, but I'd say Tom Cleverley in particular did, uh, did make a really good impression. You're allowed to single people out. You're, you're not the United manager, Ollie. You know, it's okay to single out young English players for praise if they deserve it. Well, I, I was going to I was going to single out him, and then I thought, well, then there's Smalling, and there's Jones, and you don't want to just list off the whole team because that, that, that whole second half team, which was all youngsters, they, they all did extremely well. So that, that is the reason why I didn't want to single people out because I thought I would I'd be here for a long time. <laughs> ben, uh, I, I I don't want to blow more smoke here, but frankly. 
when you look at United and you look at, I mean, I, I have to take my hat off to them. It's also the guys who weren't there. Uh, you know, you're talking about, you know, Chicharito Hernandez. You're talking about Valencia. You're talking about Giggs. You're talking about Darren Fletcher, who everybody's forgotten about. Then he takes the guys off at halftime. It brings on, you know, Johnny Evans, who frankly had a rotten season last year, I thought. Um, it, it is kind of creepy. Is this a sign of the season to come? I, th- I think it might be. I think it's a sign of what Ferguson can get out of a squad that doesn't necessarily man for man match up with the likes of Manchester City. I think, it, as Ollie said, it shows a real faith in a, in the depth of the squad there. A player like Cleverly can come on and we're all thinking Fergie's just doing this to try and use an excuse later on. A player like F- F- um, Cleverly comes on, changes the game, bring real dynamism, inventiveness and United go on to win it. I mean, it is ominous, you have to say that. I mean, it's, um, there's a real collective spirit there that I don't think is is there in the other teams in that top four and five and I think that probably just puts United ahead of the pack at the moment. Tom, do you dissent? No, I completely agree. I think on the evidence of yesterday, it's impossible not to uh, have United as favourites above City when all the pre-season hype was starting to wonder if this could be City's year. But United looked like more of a team and the new signings like Ashley Young blended in uh, superbly. And the only question mark from the day was was the goalkeeper who uh, made a couple of good saves in the second half but probably should have stopped uh, Dzeko's Dzeko's goal. We're not quite sure how good he's going to be. He's the major question mark. If he turns out to be bad, then things might change. But uh, the rest of the squad... uh, as you say, without Chicharito, could be the could be the top scorer in the Premier League this season. They look highly impressive up front. Um, yeah, Ollie, let's get to uh, to David de Gea. Um, at fault for both goals? Uh, no, I, I would point the blame elsewhere for the first goal. I mean, was he supposed he to stand there? Was he supposed to stand there? Well, I, I think I, I don't think Rio Ferdinand and Emmanuel Vidic were supposed to allow. Um, let's got a free header from about six yards out six yards out so I think I think that was the problem there you could even in defence of him for the second goal say that there was a, a huge great gap between Anderson and Carrick behind well behind Anderson and Carrick and that Vidic stood off uh, Dzeko for the, for the shot but I mean clearly he would be expected to save that I think most goalkeepers would be expected to save a shot like that from 30 yards albeit that it moved I don't think his footwork was right and uh, there was then that um frightening stat um, uh, regarding the number of goals he conceded from outside the penalty area last season which I think uh, I think will probably be conceded every time he concedes a goal from uh, uh, from outside the area this season but I think he showed his quality in, in the second half only glimpses of it but, but he showed quality he's a commanding presence good reflexes good agility uh, is he automatically an improvement on Van der Zaar? I, I think that's an awful lot to ask but uh, he looks a, a good competent uh, and very promising goalkeeper well then let's get into this for a minute because I'll, I'll give you a, a stat uh, only four goalkeepers in the history of the game have moved for more than uh, than 11 million pounds um, two of them moved this summer and uh, two of them moved more than a decade ago um the, the, the four are uh, Angelo Peruzzi, Gigi Buffon, uh, Manuel Neuer, and now, and now De Gea. Um, it seems extraordinary to me when you consider that in the last five years alone, you know, you've had uh, uh, 28 defenders moving for, for that amount of money. And that's obviously another, you know, unglamorous position. And goodness knows how many midfielders and strikers. Um, I just wonder, with him 
with him being 20 years old and with such a such a huge valuation and you know put on his head uh when you know you could get Martin Stecklenberg, who isn't my favorite goalkeeper, but I know a lot of people rate. You know, he, he ended up going for what seven million. Um, is, is this a, a new thinking in football, Tom? That that maybe you know we have been underrating goalkeepers, or is this kind of a crazy punt for a guy who's fourth choice for Spain and has as many international caps as you do? For that fee, it was uh, was a bit of a punt on someone so young when the conventional wisdom does say that goalkeepers don't don't enter their prime until uh, after 25, uh, maybe even 30 for some of them, such as van der Sar, perhaps. You don't want to say you want to buy a guy in his prime. You want to buy him before he gets to his prime, right? But you don't want to play him uh, before (laughs) before he's in his prime, do you? You might want to buy him, but you you want to have an experience with a guy who they won't let you down week in, week out. I think it's just logical that we have been, as you say, underrating the importance of goalkeepers which uh, you could make an argument they're the most important uh, player on the pitch for, for a side it's they really can make the difference so it's to me it seems sensible that although they're not as sexy as strikers they should start going for these kind of big fees Ollie are you surprised by the stat I gave you? I'm always surprised and, and, and extremely impressed by anything you say, Gab. So it's uh, no, it's, I mean the, the idea that there had been no goalkeepers moving for for that kind of for, for even 11 million pound plus in in a decade is um, is pretty surprising. So uh, yeah, well done on that one. And um, but I mean you could also say that very few players in football history have moved for as much as Andy Carroll did. And I mean I, I think there is suddenly. Uh, a um, an atmosphere now where if a club wants a player and a selling club doesn't want to well doesn't want to sell um, you do have to pay top dollar for them whether it's Stuart Downing or Jordan Henderson or Andy Carroll at Liverpool or whether it's De Gea or um, Phil Jones at United it just seems that people are having to pay top dollar for the, for the players that they want it's, it's not just goalkeepers Ben uh, let's talk City um any evidence that they're any closer to closing the gap? And I should point out that you know, in in the game, uh, uh, three out of uh, out of seven um, times writers, foolish ones uh, like myself, uh, pick City to win the to win the Premier League. Uh, uh, do you see the gap narrowing at all? I mean, I, Mancini really wanted to win this. He put out what he thought was his best possible team. No, I, I agree. He did, he did desperately want to bit, uh, win it. But yesterday, I think if you watch that game, you would probably say the gap hasn't closed. But I think you've got to remember that you know there's no Aguero, there's no Tevez. How long he stays, I'm not sure. But this is a side that looks very similar to the one we saw last season. So to, to judge them on that one game, I think, would be unfair. I think there is a feeling they are developing. And I think Aguero perhaps suits their style better than some they've had in the past. Uh, I think the likes of David Silva, was set, having settled last season, he looks like a real talent. And, and I only expect him to do more and more this season. So I think we have to genuinely... You know, consider them title contenders. Whether they've closed the gap enough to to bridge it, I don't think they have just yet. If City don't win the league, it will be down to Mancini because I don't see any excuse for them not winning the league this season. They've got the players you know, to keep talking about gelling as if this is some kind of brill cream advert. You know, but uh, I don't see any excuse uh, if they don't win the league. It will be because the manager is not 
done his job. Isn't there a feeling just behind the scenes that something's just ready to go wrong all the time? I, I get that impression with City that you're almost just waiting for the next incident. You don't get that impression about United. There's that settled feel. You just feel, you know, that's not going to happen there. City, you're well, almost waiting for yeah. it. To, you know well, what, though, but it is, you know, you, you say that, right? And that's the conventional wisdom. I agree with you. But by the same token, you know, United last season, you know, you had Rooney's dispute. You had, Fashion, yeah. you know, a certain player. Can we, can we name him now? I, I think a certain player who's now been named, who uh, who, who who was involved in you know in, in a tremendous off pitch distraction. Um, I agree, but uh, you know, uh, so but maybe it's maybe it's not so much a controversy; it's the way the club handles it, perhaps. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think those incidents that United that ever really affected morale in the dressing room. Of course, the Rooney incident wasn't great, and 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 you know that will have had an effect in the dressing room. But it was all brought back in house very quickly. It was dealt with, and they moved on. I think at City, the worry is that things linger, and and perhaps there's there's slight feelings between players that aren't dealt with at the time and, and that's allowed to go on I mean I may be wrong maybe being unfair here but I just get that feeling something's ready to perhaps go wrong there part of that is because Mancini assigned so many players who he's then discarded within six months or a year who are club can now not get rid of who are just kind of Agreed, yeah. lurking around the, the training ground like mo- moping around uh, linger- uh, harbouring bitterness and like resentment who? well Half half the team. Well, they they right, Phillips, Bridge. Well, these are all Mancini Bellamy. signings, yeah. Not all of them, no. no. You said Mancini signed all these players. These three guys you mentioned were all signed by Mancini's predecessor, and they were all signed to ridiculous wages, which is why they're so difficult or impossible to sell. Kolarov, next season. Kolarov. Kolarov's playing. It's not like he's hanging yeah, around. He, moping. he won't be playing when Gail Clichy's in the team. Ooh, though, Gail, the guy was a girl's name. Uh, Ollie, <laughs> bring some sanity here, please. No, the, 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 the thing Tom said. I mean, I would. I would I would agree with Gab that they are all Mark Hughes signings that, that, that Mancini has fallen out with and wants rid of and, and City have this problem where they can't offload these uh, many malcontents because they're all on such huge wages which is the wages that they had to buy to um, had to pay to get to, them to the club in the first place so it's this vicious circle in, in some ways and, and they're going to have to end up taking huge hits on them and, um, and, and so on and so on but uh, to agree with what Ben said, I mean, there is just this constant feeling, and it's not just something that journalists have. It, it, it comes out of the club. There is this constant sense that things are on the verge of unraveling. Now, I, I remember speaking to a, a player's agent just before the Cup semi-final against United last uh, last April, and, and he was saying there are an awful lot of things that are coming to a head in that dressing room there's an awful lot of tensions that is, is about to erupt if they lose on Sunday uh, or, or Saturday as it was and um, the fact that they then won that game I think basically bonded the team together completely focused them completely and they had a brilliant end to the season ended up finishing third winning the FA Cup and they now have the, the opportunity to build on that and, and to build towards a better future but there are still those issues it's still a very fractious squad it's not got anything like this organic um, growth that, that you would have at United or at most clubs and you're not going to get that when, it, when a team has had to build overnight and, and chop and change as quickly as City have so um, that is the big question mark against them I think a lot of City fans will say oh well why, why do you always play why do you always make a big deal of these instance when it's us A because there are a lot of them and B because that is the big problem that City have that that their cross-City rivals don't have and 
United can have issues in the dressing room, whether it's you know one player sulking or Wayne Rooney going public on his contract dispute last season, but they never unravel the whole tapestry which has been built up or well, woven over over decades, not months. Well, at the end of round one, it's Ollie Kay on 15 points, Ben Smith on 12, and Tom Dart on two. They all hate Mancini, though, don't they, these players that he doesn't pick? It's not whether he signed them and dropped them or just isn't playing. Now, the point is that the people like Bellamy, have, he's fallen out with a lot of them and they're on the fringes. But who cares? I mean, you, you, you can't. I mean, unlike, all, unlike you know, Obertan, who loves Sir Alex Ferguson, I mean, <laughs> uh, Bebe, who sends it. Well, actually, Bebe has a lot to be grateful for to Sir Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I take your point. It's a huge squad. It's a, it's, He's it's, not it's managed it well. Manage. But, you know, but, but you by, by the same token, though, if you inherit players who you, know, you don't think are good enough for your team and you can't sell them because these guys won't take pay, pay cuts to go elsewhere and they're stuck there like some kind of, of strange venereal disease what are you going to do not buy a load more players it just makes oh, the situation instead, instead keep playing with the bad players they're not bad players but Wayne Bridge would Wayne he, Bridge would he have declined so much had his manager not, not lost faith in him when, 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 how did Wayne Bridge decline to decline you have to be up here at some point right you have to be high but well, he hasn't been Wayne Bridge hasn't been Wayne Bridge since he was at Southampton has he oh, I'd agree but he, so, the manager's no, wait, supposed wait, wait. to make his players better not not sit there as they just get worse uh, anyway ultimately, that's right ultimately, you're not allowed to buy anybody just take all the crappy players you inherited and make them better ultimately your argument will fall down because Mancini signed Balotelli and that I, I was, fundamentally we were you can't, talking you can't about say, you can't say anything else go. beyond after that you just can't say anything end of I wish James Ducker were here because I knew he would uh, he would stick up for Super Mario but anyway but uh, Tom Tom, of course siding with those managers who have never made a bad signing in their life assuming Balotelli turns out to be a bad signing in our debate this week, we're going to be asking, is there a bit of a, of a changing of the guard? Because um, from where I'm sitting, I see Manchester United and Manchester City have bought players. Uh, Liverpool have bought a lot of players, although personally, I'm not sure how they all fit together. Um, and uh, Spurs, Arsenal and Chelsea, i.e. three London clubs, have basically sat on their hands, um, you know, I, with the odd, you know, Oreo Romeo and, uh, uh, and Romelu Lukaku and Gervinho and whatever. But it, it seems bizarre. Now, I, I imagine that there are different reasons for the inactivity of the London clubs. And I also imagine that it's going to change between now and the end of the season. But um, let's start with uh, Ollie, our, our, most, our northernmost participant. Um, is, there a, is, 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 is there a shift uh, north and specifically to the northwest? Um, well, I mean, would it really be a, a dramatic shift? I mean, it, it, I think most Premier League titles have ended up in, in Manchester, haven't they? So it's not like... Um, it's not like London has dominated the um, the Premier League. I mean, yeah, but they've ended up at one team in the North West. Yeah, but right? over United, the uh, Liverpool and, and City have won as many Premier League titles as, as QPR has, right? Yeah, it's all exactly. United based. It's been all United, and now you've got now it's possibly slightly more spread out. Yeah, but Liverpool were the second best team in the country for for a period, and were doing extremely well in the Champions League, and and it looks like Manchester City have, have effectively replaced them in um, what was the big four, um, but a lot of Liverpool fans will be thinking that they can break back in this season, perhaps at the expense of Arsenal. I don't think there's a sort of north-south 
shift as much as a sort of um, perhaps a concentration of power in um, in Manchester. I mean, United have have got what they've always had in terms of the the experience, the, the desire, the quality, the you know just the the, the qualities that you need to, to compete for and, and, and win trophies. City, with three years now and, and uh, under the ownership of, uh, of, of the Sheikh, should be in a position to. Um, to challenge and, and they have certainly um, they've certainly got enough players on paper to be able to make a, um, a decent squad whether it works on the pitch we don't know but I mean I, I think if we're looking at Chelsea and Arsenal and, and, and writing them off well if we're writing off Chelsea um, it's a I'm, I'm slightly surprised that, that, that none of us in the, in, in the Times this morning picked uh, or tipped Chelsea to win the league. I would have thought at least one out of seven would think um, Chelsea uh, because I mean, they've, they've got quality. It doesn't. It wouldn't require an absolute genius to, to get uh, of a manager to get that team playing together again and, and, and get the most out of um, those individuals. They've got players who, who have got the quality, have got the experience, have got the character. Um, Viespo is a, is a risky choice but um, it wouldn't be a complete surprise if perhaps having added one one more player before the end of the month if, if they are the team rather than City to, 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 to take the challenge to United I, I, I want to ask another question though, and turn this around a little bit why have Chelsea, Arsenal and Spurs why haven't they signed anybody why haven't they done anything I mean it's, it's, it's August 8th I mean I know they signed some players but this this inactivity now, Ben. Are there is it a case by case basis with these clubs? I think it certainly is. I think you look at Arsenal, and it's been um, the whole preseason has been overshadowed by the, the ongoing sagas with Nasri and Fabregas. I think they've been waiting to try and resolve those to some extent before they make the moves for the you know for instance Arsenal are interested in matter, but I think you know I think in the next week or so we'll have an idea of what's going on with Fabregas and, and the Nasri situation hasn't helped either so I think Arsenal have been very much focused on that and that has taken away from what they, perhaps they should have been doing in the transfer market regardless of those outgoings yeah, what excuse do Chelsea and Spurs have I think Chelsea Phyllis Boas has wanted to get in there and, and see what he's got I think um, yes you're right it is an ageing squad and it is the train is now approaching junction 8 iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Certainly needs to add to it. But I think we can't underestimate the, the potential impact he could make. You know, I, I think we—he's going to bring a very different approach to the game this season in England. It's going to, you know, it's a very scientific approach. It's a, it's a very interesting approach, and I think, you know, he has to be given time to to look at his squad, consider what he needs, and try to bring in players. 
you know, I would I would think they will at least try and add one more experienced Premier League player or international player before the season starts. And if they do, I would be reluctant to write them out of this completely. And Tottenham, why haven't they done anything? Again, Modric, <laughs> this is an issue with trying to keep players rather than trying to bring in players. I'm not sure that the the funding is necessarily there. And I think um, if they can hang on to Modric, I think they'll probably leave it at that I mean Ollie wrote a piece this morning says they're trying to bring in Lasana Diara and, and they may try and add a couple more but um, they've been there's been a lot of inward looking stuff in London this season and, and I think you know I think that's been difficult for them Tom yeah I think we're just waiting for kind of a domino effect aren't we in the last three weeks of the transfer window there's still three weeks to go and a lot of things will happen at the last minute as they always do as Ben says Arsenal have been waiting to resolve Fabregas and, and Nasri before acting but also uh, Wenger just doesn't buy wildly in any transfer window regardless of the circumstances he looks like he's going to buy Oxlade Chamberlain uh, this week which is and Javinia he's already bought and Carl Jenkinson which are his, his kind of signings rather than the uh, dramatic uh, buys which people are calling for him to make Wenger did say something interesting last week he said that the market is fairly uh, fairly static between 10 and 40 million there's a lot of players going for under 10 million and a lot of players perhaps in the 30 30 odd plus bracket whereas Arsenal are looking to shop in a 15 20 million kind of bracket and uh, that market at the moment is relatively static well, they haven't shopped very often in that particular market for, for a, a few years and, it, and I think that has been part of their, their problem hasn't it and, um, the, the, an unwillingness to go over that sort of 10-15 million pound mark has, has perhaps been one of their one of their problems over the last uh, last few years and, and if they're wanting Jagielka and seeing him as the guy that will hold together their, hold together their entire defensive unit and they've bid £10 million for him and if Everton are saying well he's going to cost 16 17 18 million, I think they, I think they just have to bite the bullet for once and, and mm-hmm. actually buy the player that they think will make the difference but whether he does make the difference or not I think if Wenger judges him to be the defender who can make the difference then they have to buy him Isn't that a bit of a problem when you get fixated and say like ooh you know, we, we are getting into the merits of Jagielka but I, I hear 16, 17, 18 million pounds for a guy that age and a guy who's Phil Jagielka and a guy who's a central defender. I don't know that there's any central defender in the world I would buy for, for, for 17, 18 million. I mean, if, if you look at the, the, the spending that takes place elsewhere, the, the non-Sheikh um, funded spending, because obviously Malaga and, and, and Paris Saint-Germain are a bit of an exception, but people just don't reach those levels for, 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 for players of, of, of that profile. I mean, is, is there something wrong here, Ollie? Well, the, I mean, this. I mean, you're saying only Phil Jagielka can do a job for me, yeah. so I need to go and spend 18 million pounds. I mean, with well, all due I, respect I'm, to, to Jagielka, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying he, he is. You well, know, not the, you, but Wenger the, 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 is the implicitly saying. Here, but, but the fact that they've made a bid for him and, and decided that, well, we we rate him highly enough to think he can improve our defence, and we're going to make a bid for him. I think they must know they're not going to get him for 10 million. 
I mean, what, 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 why on earth would Everton sell for ten million? They're, well, they're, why would you keep a guy not. for ten million when you know he, 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 you, you're going to get X? You know, he's not going to have much resale value in, in a year's time. You don't have a lot of money. You've got some good kids coming through. You're a club that you know has, has a mess upstairs. Maybe ten billion isn't a bad piece of business for Jagielka if you're Everton, is it? But it, it's about, isn't it about? I mean, what you can get in this market. I mean, this is a market where Andy Carroll costs thirty-five million pounds. I think you know there is this um, yeah, special case in this country in this league where prices and players go go through the roof. It's it's a very different situation to Europe, and especially this, this premium on English players, which is why someone like Phil Jagielka's. A 16, 17 million pound player. People say that, but it's been effectively the same three clubs that have been that have have been sort of bankrolling this or have been driving this up. I, I mean, it's not like you know a Roger Johnson, for example, right? Wolves, you know, he's an English player. You know, he went for what I think is is a same valuation, a very good valuation. You know, are we suggesting Jagielka is three times as is worth three times as much, or, or or Cahill with his expiring contract? Are we saying these guys are worth three times as much as Roger Johnson? Does that make sense? Not at all. But I think if Wenger identifies a player uh, and that's who he wants, then as Oli says, he's got to pay that the top dollar for him, which is which is perhaps as wrong. And Roger Johnson is an excellent player, and he's certainly not three times lesser player than Phil Jagielka. But he wasn't the player that Wenger wanted. This is the whole problem. Arsenal put values on a player uh, based on you know, kind of re- theoretical values of what Wenger thinks they should be worth. But in reality, that this is a market with fluctuating and prices, and this is capitalism, and he's worth whatever Bolton yeah. will the, the, pr- the, are prepared to let him go for. No, that, that, that's fine. But the, the flip side of that is, I actually think fingers right I think you have to have some discipline and you have to have some logic and not fall in love with with, with with a player especially a big burly defender because the fact of the matter is is it works both ways right if, if I'm if I'm Everton and Phil Jagielka's leg snaps in two um, then I'm out 10 million um, same thing goes for same things goes for Kale what if Kale runs his contract down you know I mean you know it, it works both ways I can tell you my house is worth 30 million you don't gotta buy it right yeah it, it, it if all clubs had the same transfer strategy as Arsenal the world would be a better place and football would be a more sane place and a more responsible place unfortunately for Arsenal because they haven't won anything in so long and because they have a large amount of money which they're sitting on in cash and not spending and they're identifying players and they're not willing to go a couple more million as was the case uh, with Mark Schwarzer last season which cost them disastrously in the end uh they're just making themselves look bad and Wenger's saying you know we are behaving responsibly but uh, they can afford to be a little bit less responsible uh, Ollie, I want to wrap this up with uh, with Liverpool there's one thing that, that, that really strikes me um, should he maybe have bought a little more at the back and a little more up top and maybe ditched some of his many many midfielders uh, well I, I would probably agree with that, I and mean, I think that the, the, the midfield picture is clouded somewhat by the fact that people like Cole and Aquilani are still on the books, and I, I don't think they will be in a, a couple of weeks' times. I, uh, I think they'll, um, I think they'll let go, and then the, the options in that um, area become a little bit less blurred. But the uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I would say that Liverpool now have. 
formidable midfield options and, and still have weaknesses elsewhere. So, um, I mean, Liverpool have basically done the exact opposite of, uh, of the Arsenal approach. They, they have gone for the players that they really want, like uh, Carroll and Downing and uh, Anderson. And okay, you can uh, quibble with the, the choice of players, but they've gone for the player. They've gone for the players that, that they want, and they've paid whatever it would take to get them. So, the, it's the antithesis of the Arsenal approach, and. Um, I've got to say, I mean, a happy medium would probably be the ideal there, wouldn't it? I mean, you've got to be pragmatic in the transfer market, but I think they've, um, I think they've overpaid in certain cases. Certainly. Well, did, just just to conclude on on, on this section, I, uh, it's interesting what you said there. You know, they said they've gone the opposite of the Arsenal approach and so on. I want to ask. What happened to Damien Kamali and Billy Bean and Moneyball and value <laughs> signings? I mean, is Kamali still there? Is, is, has he changed his mind and his and his philosophy? Do they just keep him locked in a closet and not let him out, or what? Well, they, I mean, the, the, the whole Moneyball thing when applied to Liverpool was, was a complete myth in, in, in the first place. I mean, it's, Some people um, might say Moneyball, period, is a complete myth. Well, there you go. But, I mean, also, Kamali, when he was at Tottenham, I think, I think his approach there was, I mean, yes, they, they would import some um, some good young players from Europe, some of which worked out, some of which didn't. But the, the approach was generally by good young British players that, 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 that is what they um, that's what the, the, the relative success of Spurs over the last um, couple of seasons has been has been based on that period of buying young British players who, who have subsequently under, under Harry Redknapp's management um, come to show their worth but I think the, the, the cost of buying um, uncapped young English players was then probably five to ten million in the case of Michael Dawson, uh, well, Gareth Bale, all those Welsh, uh, etc. And now it's um, and now we're talk, sort of talking ten, fifteen, twenty million. And it, it, the, the market for that kind of player has um, has just inflated beyond all, all sense, really. And um, I think an awful lot of clubs that are looking at these things. I mean, Everton can look at Jack Rodwell and think, well, why should we sell him for? 15 million when Jordan Henderson went for, for 16 to 16 million rising to 20 million and it's uh, and it's entirely right that there is a market for these players and, it, and that market overestimates their root their, their true worth I still get the sense that the balance of power is shifting and that there's money in the Northwest which just seems to be absent here in London I don't know maybe it's the uh, global banking crisis Let's move on to something a little bit uh, more cheerful that fills us with hope. I, I asked each of you to come up with um, your hope for the upcoming season, something you, you would like to see happen. Um, and I'm going to start with you, Ben Smith, since you're always the best prepared guest we have on the show. <laughs> Thank you, Gab. Um, mine is a rather fanciful hope, but it's a hope nonetheless that we will see the uh, growing return to the, the passing game, the ball you know staying on the floor the you know teams attempting to to replicate the, the brilliance of Barcelona last season I hope referees will allow teams to, to play and, and protect players in the way they perhaps haven't done in the past protect players who are you Paddy Barkley getting that way you, yeah. you, you, 
<laughs> you you do you are. want me to do an accent? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but, but I notice you, you, you seem to be losing, you know, you, you Pan- uh, slightly Gab, receding hairline. You're, Gab, you're on your way. Gab, you're a bit slow. That's been going on for a while, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tom, I, I know for a fact that you wouldn't be favoring this uh, uh, namby-pamby, uh, soft passing approach, and you still enjoy the full-blooded, you know, um, hurly-burly of the Premier League, as they call it. Uh, so I know you're going to come up with something better than that. Actually, um, I'm not related to on the pitch. I think it's time that we had managers on Twitter. I think uh, we need all managers to tweet, specifically Ferguson and Warnock. <laughs> I think this would enrich the game enormously. Not Holloway? Oh, Holloway, Holloway can tweet as well. <laughs> all of them. I think we've got players on Twitter, you know, so many players on Twitter now, we're getting used to that. I think managers on Twitter would be a good innovation for this season and would really uh, enhance our lives. I, I have to say, uh, Mano Menezes, the, uh, uh, the Brazil managers on, uh, um, on, on Twitter, um, and I actually am one of the sad people who follows him, um, it is amazing how completely anodyne his tweets are. It's, we are now at the airport. We will soon be boarding. We have landed in Curitiba. I am now at the hotel. It is it is the complete I mean, mind-numbing stuff. And I'm wondering, who, who do you think who would be the, the Premier League's worst tweeter, the, the, the dullest manager? Uh, I'm going to say Paul Lambert. Paul Lambert, there you go. How about that? Just because he's very, not because he's inherently dull, but he's very careful with his uh, his utterances to the press. So I imagine he'd be also a careful tweeter. Ollie! Um, having been absolutely infused and enthralled and captivated by, by Blackpool last season, I, I would like to see um, one or all of the um, newly promoted teams, QPR, Blackpool, uh, QPR, Norwich, Swansea. I've, I've got to get over the Blackpool thing. QPR, Norwich, or Swansea doing the same. Um, playing great football with a great mentality, um, winning games, going for it fearlessly. And um, I, I've actually got some decent hopes for, for, for Norwich and Swansea. And I know that it's very tempting to write them off as relegation fodder, but um, I spent a, a, a day down at Swansea um, a couple of weeks ago, and I, I just got the feeling, speaking to everybody there, that, that they are so positive in their outlook on everything that, well, either they're going to get the, the fright of their lives um, or, or they're actually going to emulate what, what Blackpool did and whether or not it is good enough to... Um, to stay up or they, they get enough points to stay up I don't know but I, I, I would like to see them giving it a real go and, and I, I think they, um, I think having um, these smaller clubs as um, as I can call them patronisingly in the Premier League and doing well and, and giving hope to others is extremely healthy so that is what I would like to see that is a good point Swansea and Norwich do play um, from, from what I saw last season do play good football they do try to play um i just look at their squads and i think my goodness but then again i thought the same thing about the blackpool squad mm-hmm. and they nearly stayed up so what do i know um my hope is much more uh, practical um a, having lost their funding um last season uh because of a campaign by um uh, an evil man um I hope supporters direct uh, uh, regain their funding. They've regained some of it. 
I, I hope this insanity um, ends. It's, it's completely, uh, it's completely absurd that supporters are getting the, the getting the shaft because of the actions of one individual. This has nothing to do with with the body, um, especially now that you know Swansea are, are, are a team that's. Uh, um, I think the supporters trust there owns what close to twenty percent of, of of the club, and I think this is something that that really ought to be encouraged and would help bring stability to football as a whole. So yeah, so Premier League, if you're listening, pick up the tab. You did it before. We were very kind. It was very nice of you to do that, to pay for everything. Please do it again. And what's more, uh, Premier League, see sense over this um, dispute yeah. regarding um, mm-hmm. newspaper and, and media coverage. I mean, that, that, that again, is, is complete greed. And um, if they don't back down and see sense uh, over the... Um, next couple of weeks and uh, they're not going to be uh, having their product widely advertised in every newspaper uh, and magazine over the next season so but uh, the product is their intellectual property aren't you stealing it by writing about it Ollie? yeah I, I, I don't quite see it that way well, we can't really uh, address this further because uh, uh, our, our producer, Chris, uh, his uh, family members work for Football Data Co. when uh, uh, they're not busy working for Halliburton and other polluting companies. So um, we'll just move on, shall we? I get enough abuse from listeners of other times' podcasts to start getting these accusations. It's not true. <laughs> All right, time now for some quick hits. Tom, a lot of talk about the uh, Premier League recently. Now, uh, here's something interesting um, I thought was interesting. The uh, Bud Selig, the commissioner, commissioner of uh, Major League Baseball, makes uh, uh, something like 12 million pounds a year. His equivalent at the NBA, where most of the clubs lose money, David Stern, makes uh, in excess of uh, 20 million pounds a year. Um, Richard Scudamore, while I don't know exactly how much money he makes, I'm pretty sure I'd be shocked if he made more than 2 million a year. Now, this is mean the Premier League are getting a really, really good deal, or that, that Mr. Scudamore is woefully underpaid. No, I think Scudamore's probably paid uh, paid about right if he does, and roughly what you said. Premier League's a, a solid organisation, and he's running it pretty well. There's the odd big gaff like the 39th game, which happens now and again, but. Uh, Despite the massive amount of debt that most of his members are in, uh, the Premier League is overall a very successful product. So, uh, so it's the other guys who are overpaid, not Scudamore, who's underpaid. Yeah, I think anyone who earns $18 million for being a commissioner of a sport, major league or, or whatever, is, is uh, horrendously overpaid. Ah, so speaketh Comrade Dart. England take on Holland this week in what we used to call a prestige friendly. Uh, ben, are you a little bit excited? Or are you one of those nattering nabobs of negativism who has fallen out of love with the three lions and bemoans international dates at this stage of the season? I am a little bit excited because it's England-Holland. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a big game of football. But at the same time, I think the international game doesn't help itself when it schedules friendlies three days before the start of a new season. It's, um, it's hard to see sense in, in why they put it there. But it's an international game of football. It's England against Holland, so there is some excitement there. Speaking of uh, international football, Joey Barton has gone from troubled kid from the mean streets with a rap sheet to reformed tweeting savant. Uh, Ollie, you write about his not being called into the England team. Is this even a conversation worth having? And more importantly, if he's so good and you can get him for free, why has nobody snapped him up? It's a conversation that journalists had with with Fabio Capello over the weekend, and, and Capello was asked about Barton, and he said uh, he's a good player, but he's dangerous. I think this perception of Barton as dangerous, I think, is rather outdated. Whether it's regard with relation to uh, his disciplinary record on the pitch, which is 
one red card in four and a half years or or his reputation off it, which I think is basically um, grossly exaggerated in terms of what he's done since he's cleaned up his act two and a half years ago. I don't think he's particularly a troublemaker. I think an awful lot of players are disenchanted at Newcastle and I don't think his outbursts on Twitter when you um, when you look at them carefully, I don't think he's really said an awful lot that would... Um, would really create a lot of attention. Gab, one for you. David De Gea and Manuel Neuer are the second and third most expensive goalkeepers in history. We now had De Gea got on at the weekend. Please tell me Neuer did better. No, he actually did worse. Yes, that's right. Uh, it's kind of hilarious, actually. Uh, Bayern Munich were uh, home to Borussia Mönchengladbach, and they lost uh, an awful, awful uh, mix-up with uh, with another new signing, Jerome Boateng. Uh, Neuer coming out late, nearly decapitating the, the striker who still got Got the uh, got the shot off and uh, and scored. Um, Bayern didn't play that badly, but this is really a nightmare start. And given how awesome Borussia Dortmund were um, on, on Friday, um, you kind of think it's going to be uh, an interesting season in the Bundesliga. That's all we've got time for uh, today, but thanks for joining us. And remember, you can go to www.thetimes.co.uk. You'll find your news, your gossip, your analysis. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, huh? at, at Oliver K. Times, or uh, what, what are you, Ben? Uh, ben Smith underscore Times. Obviously. Ben Smith underscore Times. And Tom? At Tom Dart Times. At Tom Dart Times. They're all different in, uh, in in their own way. Different, but all still special. Uh, you can also uh, join up for our web chats. Uh, mine is on Tuesdays. Ollie, when's yours? It's Wednesday, 1 o'clock, Cap. Wednesday at 1 o'clock. Mark it in your diaries. We'll be back next week and hopefully for the rest of the season. So please join us. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. 